And y'all going to have a seat in first through third grade, George and Kristen today, so any first through third grade. Y'all, i got to confess something. Uh, Fran sent me into Walmart last week to go get like, washable craft paint, and I got the wrong kind of paint. It was me. I did it. So you can send your clothes to, to my house. I'll attempt to get the paint out. That was, that's my bad. But uh, we're glad you're here this morning, continuing to um, start Genesis. We started Genesis last week. Um, if you missed it, we kind of talked about how big of a deal and how special of a moment it was for our church to be able to, on the first Sunday of a new year, to start from the beginning, the literal beginning. I'm in the book of Genesis that's long and big and um, will be in for a minute, uh, but holds so much relevance and importance for us to understand what it is to follow Jesus. It would be a lot like us jumping into the middle of some television series, you know, maybe with your spouse or some like really long Netflix series that you pick up in the middle and you not have an understanding of all the things that came before, the origins of the people or the events or timeline and to study Genesis would be like you going back to episode one and starting to understand what all the things that we currently walk in as far as people of Jesus and the church, what that means. And that's what we get to do. And it's really special. It's a cool moment for our church. Uh, so to recap a little bit, we talked about pretty much everything in creation up until people, up until us. So we talked about the nothingness of before, and we talked about God speaking things into being and acknowledging that we don't have a clue what that looked like or you know, what the author intended to really communicate, but what we landed in is what we wanted to sit in was just worship in the fact that an eternal God is speaking creation to being somehow, some way, and that it was a very good, orderly, beautiful creation. So we talked about how God is and was. We talked about God creating, and we talked about God separating. We were supposed to talk about God blessing, and we just ran out of time. So we get to kind of pick up back there um, as we talk about people. And we'll, we'll spend the next three weeks talking about kind of origins of us, talking about pre-fall people these two weeks, Genesis 1 and 2, and then the third week about the very first marriage in the garden. So this will be good, and it's important. I was going to pick a specific movie to reference, but what I realized, I think 90% of movies are this, that there's a character, and they're not really sure where they came from or what they're supposed to do with their life. So they go through some you know, painful, difficult journey to discover who they are and what they're supposed to do. And they figure that out, and then they, you know, find the treasure, or save the world, or get the girl, or whatever. You know, they find out and, and are able to accomplish through figuring out who they are and what they're supposed to do. And realizing that so many movies that we love are that storyline, and just the importance of knowing who we are and what we're intended to do. You know, our identity, our origin, and then our purpose, real, realization of who you are and what you're here for, is, is really huge. There's a guy named Dan Pink, uh, a secular author that writes about motivation in business or athletics and all the things. And what he's come down to is autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Those are things that we have to realize and walk in to really excel or grab on to eternalize what we're doing. And you know, those things are all about who we are and what we're supposed to do, our purpose and role in doing that increasingly. And we get to look at the, the original of that our original purpose and intent, our original identity today. So I'm going to pick up in Genesis 1. I'm going to read uh, verse 26, and we'll finish Genesis 1 today. We're going to talk about three things. 
uh, what it is to be made in his image. We're going to talk about what it is to be made male and female, and we're going to talk about what it means to be made for a purpose. And I'll say on the front end, praying for the same ends as last week, not really a lot to go and do today. This is something to, to worship and wonder at and be amazed at. So I'm going to read and pray that God would help evoke that in us. So Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Let's pray. God, I just ask that you would help us to marvel, wonder, worship at what it is to look at a beautiful, complex, creative universe. And to think that all things that were made were made with no point of reference, but as we consider ourselves and our minds and our emotions and our bodies that we were made in reference to a holy, perfect, sovereign God. Help us worship. We ask you through Jesus. Amen. So first, we're made in his image. We're going to talk about that, what that is. Now, I just want you to compare this stage of creation to last week where God here, as he makes people, he says, let us. So he's talking to somebody else. He's bringing other people into this. We're not sure if he's talking about the Trinity, if the author's talking about God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us make man. We're not sure if he's talking about kind of heavenly hosts, all the angels and heavenly creatures that are here. Both of those things are reality, both of them probably hearing this. And that's cool, but it's different in regards to as God makes all the other stuff, all the animals, the fish, water, light, all those things. He's just doing it, and he's saying it, he's speaking, and he's doing. But on this sixth day, there's this announcement and collaboration. I want you to think about your job at work. When you do little, minute things, you just do them. Y'all don't have a, you don't have a meeting to talk about you know, what soap you're going to put in the staff break room. You just do it. You order things and do things. But when we do something big at work, when there's a big announcement, there's people brought in, there's collaboration, and we see some special preparation in the creation of humans. There's this, hey, y'all come see what's about to happen. Heavenly host, come and see what I'm about to do. We're about to create people. There's a dramatic announcement for a more dramatic creation. Even the prep is special. So image and likeness, what is that? The words come together and we'll kind of address them together. And this is different too because all the other things that are made, it says they're made according to their kind. So we think about butterflies, we think about 
you know, we were uh, provoking some fire ants out in the front this morning. We were taking the signs out there. Those, anything you can think of was made out of creative, the creativeness of God with no point of reference. They're just created according to their kinds, brand new from scratch, creatures, creations, nature, natural features, all those things. But humans, humankind is created with reference. People have a point of reference. And this is insane. That point of reference that we're created after is God. We're created in the image of God. We're created in His image. And the meaning, Wayne Grudem gives a good short meaning of that. It means that we're made like God and to represent God. We're made like God and to represent God. And I'll kind of deduct from that and just say, we are to show God off. That's what it means to be created in the image of God. We're to represent Him so all of creation can see humans walk, talk, live, and say, this is what God is like. That is the original intention anyway. This doesn't mean that we're copies of Him. We definitely do not represent the fullness of God. God is spirit. God is eternal. God is everywhere and all-knowing and all things at all times and absolutely perfect. We don't do all that. But at the same time, we're not merely statues. As we might make a statue of somebody, it might represent their image, but they just kind of sit there. We're living statues, and so many of the things that we do in His image are invisible. They're mental and emotional capabilities to feel, feel and have morals and all kind of things. We're, we're kind of in the middle, but bottom line, we're to show God off. It's what we're made for. It's what it is to be made in His image and likeness. We bear His image. And that is so important to hold to and grasp because it's kind of the pinnacle of what Jesus comes to restore and fix. It's a huge point of the gospel application to our souls. It's fixing our original image-bearing job. We'll see really soon in Genesis, not far after the fall at all, God began to gather a nation to bear His image to other nations. He gives them rules and laws, not because he has the power trip. God is all-powerful. He doesn't gain satisfaction by calling a group of people to follow rules just because he says so. He gives them rules and laws so that they will act in a different character and nature than all the nations around, so that they will bear his character. He begins quickly to restore image-bearing to his people. From the beginning, we're meant to show what an invisible God looks like, to make an invisible spiritual, not-in-space God, visible to, to evoke worship. The fall, of course, will distort that, and a primary role of the gospel will be to recover what Adam and Eve failed to do, to bear His image. He restores our job, Jesus, by image-bearing perfectly. We read Hebrews 1 last week. We talked about how Jesus bears the exact imprint of the nature of, of God, and that makes what Paul says in Romans 8:29 that we're being conformed to the image of, of, of Jesus really cool. It means we get to marvel at our original purpose to show creation what God looks like. We grieve the fumble, we, we drop that, we fumble that. But Christ is actively recovering that original identity in us. It's a primary effect of Jesus' work in our life to recover our primary identity is image-bearing people. And that means that we approach whatever we do with this dignity of purpose. It's 
It's kind of the pinnacle of being and doing. We don't go to image bearing. So it's not coming to church so we can bear the image of God. We are bearing his image everywhere. So in our house and at work and everywhere we go, it gives purpose and dignity and meaning to every single place we are and every single thing we do because of our purpose to bear his image. We're image-bearing people. God created us to bear his image in likeness. So second thing, he created us male and female. This point is separate for clarity and because it's a lot, but it is a 100% part of the first point. I think it's important to make that distinction. I want to reread uh, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So this is important to understand as we look at that, and it's, it's going to take you mentally for a ride for a little bit. It took me for one this week. God is spirit. He's not biological. He's spiritual. Gender is created biology. And this is really hard to hear, but on paper, God does not have gender as we have gender, as he is a spiritual being. God does not have gender as a spiritual being like we do. Now, when he comes in human form, he most certainly does. When he puts on flesh, he puts on uh, man flesh. He resurrects as a man. He is eternally the God-man. Jesus is definitely God and male, but God the Father and God the Holy Spirit do not hold a gender. And I think in 2022, we're thinking about all kind of things right now. And it's not that as much as it is a holy God, an eternal spiritual being. God is above those categories. He's above those categories. He transcends those categories. He's not a biological being. And you're saying, why do we use masculine pronouns? And simply, it's because God has scripturally, through the Bible, revealed himself with masculine pronouns. It's how he's told us about himself. So even this sentence follows suit in that. And for me, this fits in one of those same categories as God being forever backwards. I can track with it to a point, but there's a point where I do not know how this works. It's outside of my perspective. The fact that God is spirit and transcendent to every point of reference that we hold as human beings. Here's what I hope that we would glean for this in view of the scripture today. If God was a gender, biologically like us, then only one gender would bear his image to an extent. But because God is spirit and transcends all that we know biologically, we can read this, that both men and women are created in the image of God. Men bear the image of God, period. Women bear the image of God, period. As Scripture says, both of these together. So image of God means to be created either male or female. They're both in the image of God. That means value and importance and meaning to God and from one another is equal to both because both show God off. They show off his image and character. I read through about a dozen passages that were kind of new to me this week and that were hard for me to just categorize. It seemed like such a new concept just talking about qualities of God and comparing them to feminine imagery, images of motherhood and nurturing and care explain the character of God throughout so much of Scripture. This doesn't mean God is a woman, but it doesn't mean that God is a biological male. It doesn't mean that he's 
you know, oddly in our mind, both. It means that he transcends these categories as a spiritual being. For me, it sums up like this. Though God comes in male flesh, and when he comes and reveals himself scripturally as a father, it takes two genders to bear his image to the extent that he wants to be revealed on earth. It takes two genders to reveal all the complexities of his good character and nature in the same way that it takes three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to contain him being a single God. It takes two genders to express his image in his creation. That means, ladies, everything that you are, men, everything that you are that make you different, everything that you are that makes you the same is from God. And it bears his image. It bears his likeness. It's from him. Here's what I want us to do with that today. It's 2022, transgender conversation. You know, one, it's a blatant rebellion against truth about God's work here, and we'll have to learn to say that as a church with clarity and kindness. But here's the deal. We're in Troy, Alabama, and what's scary for me in this conversation is we probably feel really safe and clean from that discussion. You know, we might chuckle and laugh and kind of suppress and deflect that talk, but I would want us to look and view the Scripture at the root, because yes, we need to be clear about the reality about the bottom line, but we also, like Paul says to the church, to the Galatians, we need to retain immense humility as we look at the root of, of what causes a transgender conversation. And it's this, I distrust how I was made. I wasn't made right. I'm going to change myself. And at heart, it's a bid to be our own God. And I say our because we are all participants in that rebellion at that root level stage. We have gifts, we have backgrounds, we have experiences, we have personalities, traits. You are made in his image and how often do we with clenched fists want to be our own God and change those things. So-and-so is so good at this. I love how so-and-so is like this and I'm only like this. I so wish I was that person. And for us in view of the root cause of sin in this area that we see in our culture, to remember that when God comes to earth in the Son, Jesus lets his Father's will be his path with 100% trust. Jesus lives a short, difficult life of comparative insignificance. He could have been like, man, let's do my earthly ministry like King Solomon. Like with peace and prosperity and just, just national dominance. But Jesus, the Son, walks on earth gentle and lowly. And even as we follow him, we're so prone to say, hey, is this the part where we take over Rome and establish our kingdom and excel in life? And Jesus says, no, this is the part when I'm arrested and crucified to death for you wanting to be your own God. And distrust God's creative imagery in you. May we cherish and trust the gender that God has made us in to bear his image but may we trust all his creativity has, cre has created us in so many different ways and really embrace our image-bearing role in one another. Last thing I want us to look at, uh, made us for a purpose. So in his image, male and female, that kind of comes together. And lastly, for a purpose. So what we read is that God blesses. He blesses. And he doesn't bless all these things that we read uh, what we missed last week is he blessed the fish. He said, y'all go be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. So now he blesses humankind. He says, multiply 
and fill the earth. And we, we need to look at this word because we're going to look at it a ton in Genesis. It's going to be all over the place. In English, we understand blessing more as permission. So almost nine years ago, in a few days, I need to write that down so I don't forget, I took a, a load of firewood to Fran's dad and I asked for his blessing. I could marry Fran. And that's kind of how we consider what a blessing is. is it's permission. Yeah, but in the, in the Bible, it's so much more. And as we read through Genesis, this blessing will be so much more. Yeah, it's acknowledging God's being sovereign over all that he is sovereign over. It's a hope, an ask, a prayer that yields to the power of God and acknowledges the things that are his. In our house, we are stumbling through family discipleship, trying to figure out what that looks like in parenting. And we want to learn what that is, but we're trying to figure it out. One thing that is stuck that was passed down to me uh, from uh, a, a great influence in my life was the blessing. So one of the few things I feel like we got to handle on is every night I touch all three of our boys and I tell them to sleep well, grow strong, and to know God very soon through Jesus. I'm powerless in regards to all three of those things. Shortest of melatonin, I can't make anybody sleep. I can't make them grow. I sure can't bring about saving faith in them. I can cultivate and I can position, but ultimately I'm powerless in regards to all three of those things. It is me speaking to them, putting a hand on their head, and asking God to do supernatural things through natural means that I cannot do. And what it means in context of creation is God looks at animals, He looks at humans, and He blesses them. He says, y'all go live, but be a part of supernatural things that, that belong to me. And it's amazing. Bottom line, what it means in regards to understanding creation is we're not robots. We're free and active, but we're also not alone. We're not robots, but we're also not alone. We are free beings inside his sovereign power that would choose not to create us and leave, but to create us and stay and work and give us purpose and role. So out of this blessing, there's a purpose to fill and rule. And God says, I want you to fill and rule, and here's all you need to do. Let's reread that real quick. I'm going to pick up, I think, in 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that's on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. God says, Fill the earth, rule it, fill and rule. The two original jobs. So God said, I'm making you to bear my image, to show me off to all things and all peoples. You're going to do that through two jobs fill the earth up and subdue it, have dominion. You're in charge. These two things. These two things are at the core of every desire in our heart. They're good things. They're original intended things. And they're things that are God's work that he lets us participate in. We get to share in God's work. He's, he's filled the earth. He's filled the earth to this point with all the creation. And he's in charge sovereignly. And we get to participate in that as image bearers. We also get to fill and rule. And this is beautiful for about one more chapter. And then we fall. Filling will get corrupted by the fall. One of the first things God says is, hey, mama's babies are going to be difficult. It's going to be painful. It's going to get hard. 
Or you know, buckle up, Genesis has more sexual sin than the raunchiest net Netflix drama you could dial up right now. <laughs> Death makes filling the earth hard. They're not intended things. They're things that are ushered in with the fall. To rule will be hard. There'll be thorns and thistles that infect work. There'll be egos. There'll be opposing kingdoms. In two more chapters, two brothers, will, one of them will kill the other one. There'll be war. There'll be death. This beautiful purpose will get painstakingly hard and frustrating, and y'all deal with it every single day at work and house and in your own hearts and minds. But... The image of Jesus in the New Testament, think about some of the images that Paul uses, that John uses as they write. What does Paul talk about in Ephesians 5? Jesus comes as what? A husband to a bride, the church. And he fills the earth with spiritual children. He recovers our original job perfectly. Fills the earth by calling dead rebellious sinners to new life. He creates a family. He fills fills the kingdom with spiritual children. Then this Jesus, that would be the one that would become obedient to death, even death on a cross, God will exalt him and bestow upon him the name above all names to which every knee shall bow. What does Paul say in Philippians 2? On heavens and on earth and under the earth. Rule, dominion over all things perfectly, even sin, death, the grave. Satan eventually in the culmination of the kingdom of God. And God calls us into that. We get to recover our original purpose and roles through the person and work of Jesus, our big brother that's come and done what we couldn't do to fill and rule in a way that we never could. We get to be a part of his filling through using our mouths to share the realities of Jesus living perfectly for us, dying for all our brokenness, through that, God brings more spiritual children into his family and kingdom. And we get to subdue and bring order, dominion under his sovereign authority. We get to be a part, reclaim our original purpose through the person and work of Jesus. Beautiful purpose. I'm going to pray and ask for the same thing for last week. That we who would love to go do something really fast so we can be done with this and move on. We just get stuck marveling at the fact that God would make us to show his beauty and character and image. And even as we would drop that, that he would come personally in the person and through the work of Jesus to restore these things, to maintain these purposes in us, to fill and rule. Let's pray.